0: Talk about the court of heaven. Um, So, although we are not done with altars, we'll go to the court of heaven and then we'll come back and finish altars, God permitting. So, um, we want to um, seek to understand a few things. Um, First is with regards to god um, God is um a number of he plays a number of roles um the role that um, most people regard him to play is that he's the creator right He's the creator and he's he he owns everything and for us. Um, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we also know him as our Father. And, um, but in addition, uh, the Bible reveals to us that God is a king. And uh, he is actually the king of all kings. So, Every king is subject to God. And um, because of God's um, position as the king and as the king of kings, he, he also plays the role of a judge. So God is also a judge. And we see evidence of that as well in the Bible in many places. So when we speak of the court of heaven, we are talking about how we relate to God when he is operating as the judge. And when God is operating as the judge, he is the judge of all. All right, he's the judge of all He's, only, he's not only the judge of, of his children But he's the judge of all All he has created He's a final point of appeal um, Just like in Ghana If you have a case There is a final point of appeal That you, when you go there There's no other place to go and that's the Supreme Court. Mm. Um, when you, when you, when you, when you, when your case has gone through the lower courts, and you you still seek redress, uh, the Supreme Court is the final place. And even when the Supreme Court gives a ruling, and you are not in agreement, it's the same Supreme Court that you must go to and ask them if they will consider reviewing your case. Um so God is that final um, place of appeal and judgment for all creation, including the devil, even he when he needs uh, uh, when he needs legal judgment, he has to go to God at some point so that is why we um talking about the court of heaven. We are talking about the sphere in which God operates as the judge of all. Hallelujah. So we have earthly judges, and we have non-earthly judges. And um, one um, very um, illuminating example is in the book of Daniel chapter 4 Daniel chapter 4 um, it talks about a king called Nebuchadnezzar and um, something very unusual happened to him um, he had a dream and in the dream he saw that, um, let's jump to verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed and behold a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven, so he said he saw a being that he called a watcher and he also called or described the being as a holy one came down from heaven he cried aloud and said thus hew down the tree or cut down the tree all right so previously in the in the vision or in the dream he said he had seen this large tree that was so great and um uh, so many animals depended on it you know so many animals and birds and so on um in at the end of verse 12 he said and all flesh was fed from this tree. Um, so in verse 14 he said he heard the, the, the watcher cry out, cut down the tree cut off his branches shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit let the beasts let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from his branches, that is let his influence be completely destroyed, verse fifteen, nevertheless, leave the stamp of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. So when you cut down the tree, leave the stump in the ground among the grass and the dew, and let that be the place of that tree for some time. Verse 16. It says, let his heart be changed from man. So now it's he's he's showing that this tree that they are talking about, that should be cut, was actually a man. All right, The tree represented a certain man. And that man was Nebuchadnezzar, who had the dream. It says, let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. So it's, it's it's telling that he should be changed to be like an animal. He should behave like an animal, and it says there's a period of time that will happen. It says seven times will pass over him, and then verse seventeen is is what we wanted to look at. It says this matter is by the decree of the watchers. And the demand, or the sentence, right? Is my Bible says another rendition of that word is sentence. All right, the strong dictionary says it's a judicial decision. So it says that this sentence, or this demand, or this judicial decision, is by the word of the holy ones. Hallelujah. To the intent that the living may know that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men. So it says that this is done for us to know that God is the judge even among human beings and in human matters. God ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And he sets up over it the basis of men. All right. So what we wanted to see was that the a, a sentence passed on somebody—that's the kenewukarneza—and that sentence was not from an earthly judge or an earthly court, but that sentence was from a court that was comprised. Of um, certain beings that the Bible calls watches. All right? So we, we want to see that there are courts outside of earthly courts that we have. Okay? It's not only on the earth that we have courts, there are spiritual courts as well. And in this case, the Bible is showing us that there is a court that is overseen by certain beings that are called watchers and, and they can pass sentence, they can issue judgments, hallelujah alright because the, 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 the Bible said this sentence is by the decree of the holy ones hallelujah so they had passed a sentence on Nebuchadnezzar they are called watchers, so I guess that means that they are watching things. Um, and so, this is an example of a court that exists and is working. <laughs> Hallelujah, it's working, and it's a it is a righteous court because we are told that. The members of the court are holy beings. Alright? We are reading from Daniel chapter 4, um, verse 17. Okay, so um, we will, this, this hopefully lets us understand that um, uh, there are courts outside of earthly courts. Amen um another example another example so so if you think about it um you may realize that there's probably just like we have a hierarchy of courts in the earth all right there's probably a hierarchy of courts in heaven and When God sits as judge, that is the final point. In the same book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 9, from verse 9, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, or were put in place. Cast down the would be translated as put in place. And the Ancient of Days did sit. All right, I hope we know who the Ancient of Days is. That is the Lord God Almighty. Mm. The Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. Hallelujah. So it strange to describe what he saw about God. Verse ten, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands, all right, thousand thousands, that sounds like millions, maybe billions, ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, all right. My Bible says that could be translate that could be translated as the court was seated. Hallelujah. The judgment was set. All right. An alternative translation is the court was seated, and the books were opened. Hallelujah. So. um this is another example. This one with God Himself sitting down to issue judgments on different matters. And the Bible says that there are books involved when God sits to pass judgment. He is not arbitrary. Alright? He does things based on books. Um There's another place in the Bible where we see something similar, and that's in the book of Revelation chapter 20, from verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. All right, so here again we see a throne and one sitting on the throne. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. All right, so now we see that it is God who is being spoken of in the previous verse. And the books were opened. So again, we see the books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So, in this case, those who were coming into this court to receive judgment were people who had died. All right? Um, So, we... I wanted us to see that there is a system of spiritual courts that operates and is operating even as we are here. And um, the highest court is the one that God himself presides over. Hallelujah. And um, Many things happen there, so we want to um, now consider why is this important to us? all right Why is this of relevance to us, okay The reason why it's important to us is because. There are there, Our lives are affected by the decisions of courts. all right Our lives are affected by the decisions of courts. Um, I remember right after um, President Kufrado was began his first term. Ghana had to go to Holland to go and argue because Ivory Coast was challenging Ghana that some of our oil it belongs to them. All right. And so Ghana had to go to the international court in Holland to go and argue that Ivory Coast doesn't have a case. All right. And um the the attorney general, the new one under President Kufardo and the old one who was under President Mahama, both of them, the two women, they went to argue that case and Ghana won. Hallelujah. If Ghana had not if they had not won and the court had ruled in favor of Ivory Coast, it means that maybe free SHS would not be possible. Hallelujah. <laughs> Because the oil money might have reduced, you understand, <laughs> or maybe the road to your hometown will still be full of potholes. <laughs> maybe it still has potholes, but don't worry about it. <laughs> so the decisions of courts affect our lives. Hallelujah. Um, I found out was this somewhere last year that. Uh, The place we call Trasaco Valley, that estate, that a a court in Ghana had ruled that the, the people who sold it to the company that developed it were not the rightful owners. All right? So that land must go back to its rightful owner. All right? And all the people who are living there. All right, I don't know what they are going to do. Okay, but that's some of the most expensive houses in Ghana, in that estate. Yeah. So the decisions of courts affect our lives, in one way or the other. All right, um, and so when there are courts that are operating, um, we want to be aware so that. Um, the times when our lives are being impacted by the decisions of one court or the other, we can, when we, when we know, we, we can do something about it. Are we, are we, are we following? Mm-hmm. When we know we can do something about it. So, um, it's a problem when you have a court case and you're not aware of it. All right? That one alone can cause judgment to be made against you for not showing up. Okay? So, um, now, there are different reasons why we may be involved in courts. All right? Maybe you are a very peace-loving person and you don't know why you would ever end up in a court. But there are different reasons why um, you may end up in court. One reason is that we have an adversary. An adversary is somebody who is against you, or somebody who is opposed to you, Okay. And in Romans chapter twelve, verse ten, eh, Revelation twelve, verse ten. Sorry, uh, the Bible talks about an accuser who accuses us before God day and night. Okay, so Revelation twelve, ten says, and I heard a voice. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuse them before our God day and night. Alright. So the devil and his, uh, his staff, alright, his employees, uh, they accuse us, they prepare cases against you, alright? As you're walking around living your life happily. Somebody is looking for a reason to accuse you to God. Okay? To accuse you to God. Why? Because if he can find a good basis to accuse you to God on something, regarding something you have actually done, (laughs) which was not right, okay? Then he may win a judgment against you. And if he does win a judgment against you, then he will happily carry it out. You see, happily carry it out. and when he's doing that, he will he will do it with God's authority. all right uh-huh. so that kind of thing, even your prayers cannot do anything about it. you understand. Mm-hmm. so not long ago I was leaving home in the morning and I saw there's a house in my neighborhood and I saw these police cars and they were throwing things out of the house all right? and I realized that a court had given judgment and the people were just being evicted many people. It was a big compound. All right? Surrounded. The whole property is empty. Nobody's there. All right? And the police were there to enforce the court order. All right? So when there's a court order, it comes with force. Hallelujah. So, the devil may accuse you. All right? The devil may accuse you. Um... Other people may accuse you Alright? your 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 brothers or sisters or your friends or your husband or your wife can accuse you, and the matter can eventually get to god 's attention all right so people who People who know you can accuse you. Let's look at a few examples. Um, So, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12, yes. And Miriam from verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. All right. Because of the Ethiopian woman he had married. So Moses had married a black woman, and Aaron and Miriam were not happy about it at all. All right. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. and they said as the Lord indeed they began to question Moses' spiritual standing because of the woman he had married alright as the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses has he not spoken also by us and the Lord heard hallelujah can we see that the matter came to God's attention This was an accusation by siblings. Okay. Um, And so, the court summoned them. (laughs) Alright. All All three of them, they should appear. Okay. Um, Verse 4. And the Lord speaks suddenly unto Moses, and unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. Come out, you three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. So they were the plaintiffs. Alright. The plaintiff is the one who's bringing the matter to court. Alright. So come and let me hear your All Alright. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold... Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. So, the court ruled that Aaron and Miriam did not have a case. Okay? And when you go to court and you waste the court time, there can be penalties awarded against you. Costs. Costs awarded against you. Like in Ghana, they will say, we, we award costs of 1,000 cities or 5,000 cities. All right, so when the judge completed the matter, costs have been awarded against Miriam and Aaron. Miriam's own, she had to pay immediately. Aaron's own, he paid later. Alright? So when the court session ended, Miriam had leprosy. Okay? For making an accusation she should never have made. Alright? Um, and now Abraham, Moses tried to ask God, tried to pray about it. Alright? See, I was saying earlier that when court decisions are issued, it's no longer a simple prayer matter. All right. 13. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto her, If her father had spit in her face, will she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, let her be received. So, even though Moses prayed, God still said, what what has happened has to happen. Hallelujah. Can we see that? Alright. So, Moses that... um, If if you read about Moses, like every prayer he prayed, God answered him. But in this matter, why? Because this was a court decision. Alright. And court decisions are not simply overturned because the judge likes the person asking. Alright? Now, there's something we want to see here. When we come before God as a judge, alright, his decisions and his his evaluation of a case is not based on um, uh, okay, we want to understand what is it based on, alright? It's based on his purpose, the divine purpose and counsel of God. Hallelujah. God's decision in a matter is based on his purpose. When you go before God to argue a case, the case is not about you. It is never about you. If you make it about you, you will not win. All right? You don't go to the court of heaven and make a case based on how you are suffering or how life is hard. All right? or anything like that. You make a case based, how is the hard life affecting God's purpose? That is what must be the basis of the argument or the presentation. Hallelujah. All right? It is always about God's purpose. Why? Because God's purpose is enshrined in his law. God's purpose serves as the bedrock or the foundation of His law. And court decisions are always based on law. They are not based on feelings. All right? Court decisions are always based on law. And the law of God is founded on His purpose. So, do you understand when I say God's purpose? There is a divine purpose and objective to all that exists. Alright? God has a purpose in all that he has made. And a purpose that he's executing or he's carrying out. And by virtue of who he is, his purpose or his intention is what is paramount. That is the most important thing. By virtue of who he is. Everything else must submit and succumb to God's purpose. Alright? So, that elevates God's purpose to the highest, the highest level of importance. And therefore, when he's considering a matter, it, the matter is weighed against his, how it is consistent or it complies with his purpose. Not other factors like how bad the situation is, or anything like that, that is not what it's about. Hallelujah. Uh, are we understanding all right so if if the devil goes to accuse us before God, he needs to demonstrate how what you have done is undermining God's purpose. Do you understand? Yes, all right. If you steal money, you show God how this, this stealing is inconsistent with the plan he himself, God, he wrote for your life. And that by this time of your life, you are supposed to be teaching people that they shouldn't steal. In you yourself, you are stealing. <laughs> you see, I said that word. in the God's courts, books are used. And one of the books that the devil can call for is the book God has written about your life. Because the Bible says that every one of us, God has written a book about your life. And so he can call for that book. uh, Let's check. (laughs) And God will agree. Hallelujah. Because in his courts, it is books that are referenced things are not done in an arbitrary manner. It's not just... Things are not done anyhow. It, it doesn't just do things anyhow. It, it does things with a basis. Hallelujah. <coughs> so... <coughs> In verse 7, he says, My servant Moses is faithful in all my house. Hallelujah. He said that everything that Moses has to do, as far as his service to me, he's, he's perfect. There's no place that he falls short. So you have no basis to say that his black woman wife has caused a problem. Because Moses' work there's no fault with it. So if there's no fault with Moses' work for God, whether he married a green woman, black woman, whatever woman he married, God says that it shouldn't worry you at all. What should have worried you is whether he's doing my work well or not. Are we understanding? Uh-huh. So so long as he's doing my work well or not, the woman he married, it was not your business. Therefore, you are wasting the court's time. All right? So <clears throat> what this means is that when you come before God in the court of heaven, you don't come ignorantly. You come with knowledge. You come with knowledge. You must come knowledgeably. You must understand why you are there and what you want to achieve. And how you need to make a case for God to Don't just think that If it's you against the devil Because it's the devil God will rule for you It doesn't work like that Okay And Miriam and Aaron Were older than Moses But God didn't rule Didn't rule for them Because they are older He ruled for the small boy 80 year old small boy You understand? Yes. So the considerations are different. All right. So you may be accused by the devil. You may be accused by your brother, your sister, your spouse. All right. If you're a pastor, you may be accused by your church members. (laughs) All right. Moses was accused by his church members. Moses there, he had, he had... The people were worrying him. Almost always, they were worrying him. And God will have to come in. All right? So we can't look at that today, but... <coughs> um, so... <coughs> what we've seen so far is that... Um, You can be accused by different um, parties. Now, so what happens is that what happens is that sometimes there's something affecting your life in some way, and um, the matter is a legal matter. All right. When I say it's a legal matter, what I mean is that the reason why that thing is happening, it has a legal basis. There's something behind it that is related to a court. Alright? And how will you know? How will you know? The only way you will know is by the Holy Spirit impressing upon your heart that this matter it is not an ordinary matter you understand and the reason why we talk about these things is it's when you understand that when the holy spirit is drawing your attention you you respond if you don't even know there are courts there are spiritual courts and god is trying to tell you you think you you not even pay attention okay you are not open to please are you are you understanding all right you may not be open to the idea at all all right so, a reason, one of the reasons for teaching like this is to open our eyes while that you know you may realize that at certain times when you are praying the Lord will draw your mind to that this thing deal with it in court please do you understand or you've never had the experience where you are praying and you feel you, you, it's like you are drawn a particular direction You've never had that experience before. Or you have a strong impression to pray about a particular thing in a particular way. Or or you realize that things start coming out of your mouth that you didn't, you didn't premeditate. And it's like, it's along a certain direction. Has that happened to you before? Yes. So Those are the, those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Alright? So you may find yourself now speaking in your prayer As if you are addressing a court, if you experience that, know that that's what is happening. The Holy Spirit is guiding your mouth to make a case in the court. Or He may put a thought in your mind as you are praying or thinking about a particular matter that this one is a legal problem. All right? Sometimes. Somebody is trying to break a habit, and the reason why the habit he, he or she is struggling to break it is because there's a legal judgment that is affecting either that person or maybe their family. And now, nobody can cast out the demon. If there's a demon involved, that demon has divine God's authorization. Now, you just think about it. When a demon gets God's, not just permission, but God's backing. (laughs) All right? You understand? Uh, They don't give up. It will take something extraordinary to get them to leave you alone. All right? So, you will see that you may pray about it. You do all kinds of things, but that particular thing doesn't change. It doesn't even get. It doesn't even improve. Even anything might even get worse. Okay, so <clears throat> um, we are almost out of time. Um so let's see if we can look at one example. So let's go to Second Samuel chapter twenty one. Then from verse 1, then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. All right. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, or his bloodthirsty house, because he slew the Gibeonites. All right. So the Gibeonites were not from Israel but Israel had a covenant with them when they when they came out of Egypt as they moved in closer to the promised land the Gibeonites met them and actually deceived Joshua and Joshua entered into a covenant with them and then he found out that they had tricked him but because of the covenant they couldn't Kill them like they destroyed the other nations. Okay? So they were still living among them. All right? So King Saul, the first king of Israel, got up one time and he said, These people cry, they have to go. Alright? Give your nice, must go. And he went and he killed most of them. Alright? Or he killed a lot of them. Alright? And then he had died. Alright? So, he killed them and the punishment didn't even come during his time. Okay? (laughs) The consequences of his action did not happen while he was the king. After he had died and David became the king, then something began to happen they didn't understand. There was no rain. Alright? And there was famine. Famine. There was no food. Bible says it continued year after year for three years. And I think David realized that ah, this thing is not a natural. It's not the weather that has changed. All right, <laughs> there's something. So he went to seek the Lord's face. See, sometimes when something in your life is 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 you 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 don't understand, you just have to go and seek God's face to continue. Life, just like that, is, is not the best. So, I would say that David went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said, "It is one; it is because of Saul and his blood testiness." All right. So, um, after. After um, Saul had killed the Gibeonites and 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 moved on, um, there had been a case brought before God that this thing that the king of Israel did he had no basis because the people have a covenant with Israel. All right, and so judgment was made against the the nation of Israel, all right, and so they suffered for three years. now, I want us to continue reading because there's something interesting that I want us to see um, verse two, and the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them. And then the Bible gives us some explanation in brackets. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them. And Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. So here the Bible is explaining that the people of Israel had sworn to the Gibeonites. They will not hate them. But King Saul, in seeking to please people, all right, say his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah, not his zeal to God, had gone to break the promise or the oath, the vow. Verse three: Wherefore David said unto the Gibbonites, "What shall I do for you, and wherewith shall I make the atonement?" that ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord. Hallelujah. So David is asking them, So what had happened? The people of Gibeon had begun to cry out to God. And God had responded. Hallelujah. It had taken some time, but God had responded. So now David goes to them and says that, what can I do to calm your heart down and to pay for this sin we committed? All right? That is to make the atonement means to, to, to pay for the sin. Okay? That you may bless the inheritance of the Lord. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Israel. He says, I want you to stop cursing us and start blessing us. So what do I need to do for that to happen? You understand? Uh-huh. So don't, don't just say that nobody can curse you. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. This is uh, people of Israel themselves and yet someone has got a basis to pronounce curses over them. Verse 4. And the Gibeonite said unto him, We will have no silver, nor gold of Saul, nor of his house. said, we don't want money. Neither for us shall you kill any man in Israel. He said, don't, and we don't want money. And don't go and kill people in Israel the way King Saul came to kill a people. He said, we don't want that one too. All right? And he said, what... What ye shall say, that is David is telling him, What what ever you tell me, that's what I will do. And they answered the king, the man that consumed us and that devised against us, that's the man who made wicked plans against us, that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts or the boundaries of Israel. Verse 6, Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. <laughs> okay? So they said, we don't want money. Alright? We don't want money. You can't pay us for what we have been through. And we also don't want you to go and just kill normal Israelites. They haven't done anything. But the man who did this to us, Give us seven of his descendants. His male descendants. Alright. Or, or, his, or his, his, his relatives. Okay? It says and we'll hang them unto the Lord <laughs> in his hometown. <laughs> okay? That was, that's what it, that's if we do that, then the pain in our heart will go away. See, sometimes you've done something against somebody, and it's paining the person, and the person is accusing you to God. All right, and and you can't just ignore it. Okay, you can't just ignore it. So, verse eight, hey, it's eight twenty-seven. Oh Lord, okay, let me just quickly finish. And the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah, whom she bare unto Saul, Ammoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Basilai, the Maholatite. All right? Um, he took two um, um, of actually seven of his grandsons, all right? Seven of his grandsons, two of them from um, one of his uh, Saul's daughters, Um, and then five from his own first, his David's own first wife, that was given to another man when he ran into the bush. King Saul gave his wife to another man, and he had children with that man. He went to collect all the children. I added them. (laughs) All right. Seven. So he got seven. Verse nine. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hung them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. All right. Um, So let's jump since we're out of time. verse 14, so a a number of things happened after that. They performed some changes and the Bible says, and after that God was entreated for the land. It says that it was when they had done this that now when they called unto God on behalf of with respect to what was happening in their land, the shortage of food and the hunger is now God listened and did something about it. Hallelujah. All right. You know, so imagine that somebody has gone to a spiritual court and asked that your grandfather's descendants <laughs> none of them should cross a certain line in life, you see? That could happen. You see. Uh-huh. Things like that. So We want to be aware of these things. Um, We didn't finish, but uh, God permitting, we'll continue uh, next time. Thank you. I think we're out of time.